Welcome to The Whole Truth, where two wholesalers help financial professionals build great practices and thrive in a rapidly changing industry. We'll bring you the stories and voices from those on the front lines of this change, and we'll have some fun along the way. This is more than a podcast. We're building a community of financial professionals who are growing, forward-thinking, and want to get better. Thanks for listening and contributing to the discussion. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side, And from Atlanta, I am Kurt Dupuis. We've got our uh, our buddy Patrick on. Patrick, you want to jump in, introduce yourself, why you're here, who you are? Patrick Ferris. Been wholesaling in some sort of form or capacity for a little bit over a decade. I uh, just hit my one-year anniversary with Touchstone on the uh, 13th here, so pretty excited about that. There you go. Out here in Denver covering the mountain territory. Big piece of land here. It's the Four Corners, Wyoming, and then we, we threw in Las Vegas just for fun. I personally think it's the best territory in the nation, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys will... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you guys will disagree with that one. <laughs> no, it's it's a cool territory. I always thought like, you know, when it's when it's uh, in the winter, you can go ski, but you could also get out of the way to Arizona, right? And in the summer, you could be up in the mountains. And you, I mean, it seems like, exactly. yeah, it's a pretty good geographic footprint, I would say. Yeah, it's starting to get cold out here. We actually just got some um, light dusting on, on some of the higher peaks nice. uh, in the mountains here. Yeah, Ski season's coming. So Patrick uh, came to us and said, hey, we wanna, I want to talk about COIs. There's opportunity to improve or think about it a little bit differently. So that's what we're going to talk about with, with Patrick. On the front end here, you know, I had an opportunity to hear Barron's uh, come speak at our home office this week, and they shared a whole bunch of things about advisor trends. Um, you know, in this intro segment, I'm not going to go through everything. We may, Kurt and I may go through more later in terms of what they covered. But basically what this was, was they looked through um, their Barron's top 100, which are, you know, some of the biggest and best advisors in the nation. And there's all kinds of criteria for how they go about doing that, again, which we may cover in the future. Guys, you know, you haven't heard these trends before. There's four of them. I, they're not earth shattering, but I'm curious of, you know, your response to each of them and what you think. The first seems very obvious is that teams are the future. These Barron's teams are building infrastructure. Uh, and the big thing that they talked about there was not just, you know, the size. It's a, if you're working at a lot of um, firms, like let's talk about like a wirehouse, for example. Those firms are given all these different new tools and offerings. And so you're building these teams, not just to be able to help with service, but also to be able to to, to maximize what, what these firms have to offer. So it seems pretty obvious, right? It's definitely obvious, but I, I'm struck by, um, I think it was Wildman said in a recent interview that, We've gone this direction of teams, yet we don't have a lot of processes for building out roles and responsibilities. Right. There's to be a lot of redundancies, not having a similar or scalable process. So uh, we're sort of this crunch point. We've gone from a bunch of solopreneurs to teams, yet a lot of our structure is still built around the solopreneur. One of the things that the Barons uh, folks were talking about is – you know, that these Baron teams are thinking about is, is, is retention, you know, you got to build a team, but it's becoming harder to recruit and retrain, retain. So there was a lot of talk yeah. about equity compensation being used now as a, as a way to keep people in the seats. Um, I asked the question, is equity going down to the sales assistant uh, uh, arena? Uh, because, 
quite frankly, I think the thing that I come across most often is people needing to find really good sales assistant talent. Like it's just, it, and so. And there's been a lot of movement there post COVID, you know, with totally. the great resignation that yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of chess pieces being moved around from personnel and staffing perspective. Yeah. I mean, his comment to me was he's not coming across people that are giving it sales assistance, but my comment to anyone listening is you get a good one. You got to think about how to lock them in, develop them, uh, because they're, you know, as we know, as important as anybody else on the team. Yeah. You, you hear about top notch assistants and how great they are and how they keep the, you know, the, the glue of the team. It's so important to keep them around, especially, I mean, offering equity or just, you know, everyday typical benefits like the ability to work from home yeah absolutely um okay so so obvious one teams of the future but good dialogue there let's get into number two uh you know which is which has implications for our business but i do think it's true investing is table stakes let's just say you're charging a one percent fee uh baron's estimation of what the investment piece is is about 30 basis points so that means you, you what you have to do is find 70 basis points of additional value and there's all kinds of ways that you know they shared about how teams are, are doing that part of this is the quiet part out loud right and and mm-hmm. i i tell i tell people this all the time it's like look the, the reason why I focus on practice management is because that's what should be important to you. The investment yeah. side, like everyone that sits down here should have decent product. And if you look, I mean, CFA Institute and countless academic research papers have said like asset allocations, 80% of where returns come from. So like we're, we're spending a lot of our time and effort on the manager selection talking about that 20%. So like you start whittling down that 1% of value. It's like, yeah, if, if wholesalers are just vendors, then that, that should not occupy a big part of your brain face. But if they're a partner in, in how you do things and they can bring deep expertise, subject matter expertise, that that's a different conversation. I totally agree with that, clearly. Uh, I also don't want to, you know, minimize the investment piece because even in terms of what a wholesaler can bring and what an advisor can bring there, I still think even though it's 30 basis points, even though it's table stakes, you know, think about what the – what the uh, what the firms are doing right now? They're making them go into these generic models with the largest funds out there. Over diversified. I, I I just think there's still an opportunity to differentiate there. So while I agree with it, I also think well, don't read that and say okay, well that doesn't mean anything either, right? Okay, so number three, and we'll go through this relatively quickly because this is an obvious one. I want to spend more on the fourth one actually is define value propositions or paramount. So to be able to explain you know, what it is that you do, uh, why you do it and why that's important. Um, you know, and this is where they get into, into something that we talked about a lot, which is like the niche market or the target market. Um, what the Barron's people said is the people that sit on that list are generally not generalists. They've got a market. Uh, they do it extremely well. They service it extremely well because they know it very well. That's what you see at the Barron's at the top. Yeah, I, I, I've heard so many different value props just across the industry. Some are good, some are all right. Um, but I think where you can tell that some, you know, a particular advisor knows what they're doing is that, you know, that ability to differentiate and explain what they do to bring value to their clients, whether it be a niche, a, you know, a niche, a niche client set um, or just a, a particular industry. I'm also struck by what, what Wildman said, because that's a newer episode, it's fresher on my mind, but the, the term value proposition to, what did he say? Value. Value promise. Commitment. 
value yeah, promise. Value yeah. promise. Yeah. Because like a proposition, like who wants to be propositioned first of all, right. Right. Uh, but also where's the proof statement? So you say this is what you're delivering, but how do I know that you're actually delivering that? How many advisors use their some sort of investment acumen as part of the value proposition, even though we just said that's sort of table stakes? Yeah. Is, is, that, a, or, is that a material differentiator? I, or or things like, you know, a, a financial plan, right? I, I believe that a lot of the firms out there offer can financial plans, but is that something that's really differentiating you as a financial professional? There's a way to do it, but you can't just throw that. Uh, we do financial planning because that's that's certainly not different. So, um, or you check the box and you move on. And you talk about something that really uh, it really develops a connection with someone. We're not saying you can't differentiate with financial planning because you can certainly move past the generic stuff and do it really well. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it'll cascade into our conversation that we're going to have on centers of influence. Yeah, absolutely. Good teaser there, Patrick. So the last one, multi-generational emphasis in both staffing and prospecting. What they also added to this is just like team diversity. And the thing that Barron's people were talking about uh, is how much success women are having in our industry right now. Like you're seeing them have a greater proportion of the, of the Barron's top list than they represent in the industry itself. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, I, you don't have to, I hate when I start to think about, well, you have to include this type of thing. You have to include that. But if you don't have a, a woman on your team and, and you're adding staff, like I, it's not a terrible thing to think about, right? I think about that in terms of, of just authenticity, right? Like women exist in our lives, minorities, right? So underrepresented group, like they all exist in our lives, yet they're not often reflected in financial services. And then the the proof statement of that is looking at team websites and how generic they are. It's looked like they're standing on the steps of the courthouse. They're all wearing blue suits. They look exactly the same. Yeah. Yet that is often not the worlds in which we operate. So it's really funny you say that. I had to jump in because they, the guy was talking about, okay, when I go on a particular website where it was all men and it was there, they're all kind of older men, I would do business with that. My daughter looked at that and goes, I would never do business with it made him made her nervous just to see no diversity, no difference in generation, no women. The point is the next generation of, of, of your investors, which are which are here, you know, they're going to want to see it. I think, you know, different upbringings and different diverse backgrounds really provide and complement, uh, you know, each other's strengths and, and just abilities to problem solve. We can transition from here and get started on the COI discussion. Uh, those are the four trends. They make sense. But uh, certainly around each of them, there's some things to think about if, if you're a team and wanting to get to the top of that Barron's list or, or stay there. So in our chat today, we're going to talk with Mr. Ferris about thinking about COIs a little bit differently. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, write us a review that helps people find the show. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Patrick Ferris about COIs. And welcome back. So let's get into our discussion of COIs. And Patrick, we're going to just jump right into it. Why was this something that jumped out to you? What were you seeing? I've been talking a lot about COIs just with different clients uh, over the years. We work in an industry where we're able to really build our own business. So why would we not build it with clients 
that we enjoy working with. A lot of our clients, you know, they tend to gravitate towards people they have an affinity for, right? And typically those are clients that have similar hobbies or interests. So they start building a book of business around, say, I'm out here in Colorado, picked up, you know, fly fishing two, three years ago, and I love it. So I start and I've, yeah, and I, and I found myself working with clients that in, enjoy fly fishing, and those clients work with clients that enjoy fly fishing. So why don't we make that more intentional? I think this goes back to the Barron's list, right? Uh, uh, typically, high performers or elite advisors already have a differentiated niche. I think it's fairly defined in in the clients that they're working with and the the prospects that they're trying to bring on board. I have an uncle who's a financial professional in Louisiana. When he got started, he's kind of on his way out now. He took every CPA in town to lunch, right? That was that was developing COIs. So what if if we sort of agree that that's the old old school way of doing it, what's what do you see as the shortfall today? I think we've fallen into this this antiquated school of thought of, okay, my centers of influence are going to be my CPA and my attorney. Their ability to drive specific referrals that align with your specific niche isn't there. It's a much more blanketed approach of, okay, I'm just going to send anyone and everyone that I work with, unless it's, you know, unless it's um, some sort of specific CPA that works with only a certain kind of industry that you're trying to target, that might be a little bit different. But once you develop that differentiated or that unique niche, and then uncovering centers of influence that can drive referrals in that particular segment is a good way to continue to grow your business in, in, in a way that is more fulfilling and more enjoyable. Let's look to your fly fishing case then. So how would you think about what a COI looks like uh, there in that particular space? What would that look like? You kind of got to sit down and take a deep dive into who are the, the, say, the suppliers or, you know, like my role, I'm the wholesaler to a financial professional. Who's the wholesaler um, to clients that like to fly fish? And in my eyes, it would be a a guide, right? A really well-known guide. There's a, there's a gentleman out here in Colorado that, that works with a lot of ultra high net worth uh, folks that take some fishing, you know, typically fly fishing, guided fly fishing isn't cheap. Um, so, you know, what's his Rolodex of clientele worth to your business and how do you partner with them to get access to that? I, I love that though, because that's, you know, what we're talking about is people that are not saturated with, with questions about being a COI. That person, you could probably just sit there, take to lunch, go have a drink and say, Hey, here's what I do. I know what you do. Let's trade some ideas. And I don't know, that could be a pretty cool, organic conversation to have. And I think another great example is Steve, you're right by Napa, right? Mm -hmm. How far are you from Napa? Uh, I am 20 minutes from Sonoma, about 30 from Napa. Okay. Do you have a, a favorite winery? I do. I have a few of them. Uh, let's see. What's my favorite? For the, Well, now you're getting me on a long topic. I could go. Here. But let's <laughs> just say for not not necessarily the experience, but purely the wine, uh, Patson Hall would be my favorite. Do they have a wine club or yes. a mailing list? Yep. What would it mean to your business to get your hands on that mailing list or that, yeah. the, you know, that Rolodex of that wine club? That's probably a nice list of people. There's no doubt about that. And folks that enjoy the same wine you do. So you already have that commonality there. I think if folks just kind of took some time to really take a deep dive into their book of business and reflect on, 
okay, you know, these are my best clients. These are the top three clients. What do they enjoy doing and what do I like doing with them? There's your differentiated niche. Right. So if we take a step back, the first thing you would say is to just sort of think about the specific areas and then think about what the advocates could be within that area. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just reflect a little bit deeper into your book of business and determine, you know, what are those differentiated niches or, you know, where's the affinity? What are the hobbies or interests among your top clients that you also have? And then from there, determine, okay, you know, who are the suppliers or wholesalers or, um, you know, who, who, who are the folks that cater to that particular group? So after identifying, let's say a new COI or new referral source, how do you think about developing that person? Like, how do you get them to the point where they're actually sending you business and referring you? I uh, go back to your all's podcast with Dr. Rick Jensen when he was really talking about building advocates, right? You can't just go to your centers of influence once identified and say, hey, let me buy you a burger and beer. Um, I think it's twofold. You need to be able to have that differentiated value prop of why they should work with you. And you also need to think, what are my personal and business strengths that I can help them be them being the COI achieve their business goals or their initiatives, right? I remember advising teams of that years ago, sticking with, let's call it the traditional COI source being C- CPAs. And it's like, this, these were, you know, young-ish financial professionals. So it's like, look, a 65-year-old CPA who's been in the business for 40 years is likely, they probably have a great Rolodex, but think about the moat around them for you getting in with, with, with their clientele. Like, what about someone similar age, similar demographics that's growing that you guys can have a relationship for a long time and both grow together? Like that's, that's the scenario for a win-win that you're looking for. It's a good time maybe to transition. Talk about that worksheet that you created. Yeah, absolutely. So through my conversations, I think a lot of people just get stuck getting from point A to point B, right? We've identified what our niche is. We've identified uh, who those centers of influence may be, but it's like, okay, how do we get started and, and how do we get to that end point of where we're starting to receive referrals? So this particular document that I created is more of like a roadmap or an action plan where you can take step by step and really take a deep dive. A great one is medical device sales reps, right? So where am I gonna come in contact with a medical sales rep? Um, What do they enjoy uh, doing? Uh, What are some of their professional or continuing education requirements? What kind of groups or academic groups do they belong to? And then from there, it's like, okay, what's the action plan, right? What's, What's the value prop to them? And how am I going to help their business? So it's just really a roadmap to help financial professionals figure out how to get from their centers of influence, you know, uncovering their centers of influence to starting to receive those referrals. I need to go on a couple of tangents here. There's a bit of a prerequisite to all of this, uh, and not all, but most, is you have to have some sort of niche expertise or niche hobby. You know, marketing is largely about finding like a, a passion or purpose thing and attaching some dollar at, and an activity to like that's marketing that's 
That's how you build a marketing plan is finding those things. So really we're just taking a step back and what are the things that I enjoy doing? What are the things I'm spending money and effort on in my personal life and then finding people that can help me in my business or we can develop some sort of mutually beneficial thing. Uh, that's my second rant. And my third, do you remember one of our first episodes we talked to Penny Phillips and she introduced the idea of psychographics? Mm-hmm. Of course. So we know what demographics are, right? It's how the Census Bureau and marketers like, group people by whatever, age, ethnicity, education level. Think of them as external factors. Psychographics is doing the same thing, but internally. So how people think, people's attitudes, aspirations, or, or other like psychological cr- criteria. And it's being used heavily in social media advertising to, to target people. But if the more you can get in the minds, and this goes for potential clients, but also COIs, the more you get into the mind of how someone is thinking. For instance, they wake up in the morning. When do they wake up? What do they do? Do they exercise first thing? Do they look at their phone first thing? What, what, what are their aspirations? Are they worried about their kids and whether they're going to college or are they worried about paying for their kids' daycare? Um, it, it just really understanding the mind or the thinking process of, of your niche or your COI that you're going after strikes me as extremely important in this conversation. It's like understanding what makes them tick on the inside. Patrick, this was awesome. I, I, I really think, you know, the summary and the takeaway here is really easy. I always hear financial professionals talk about COIs, but can you go about it in a different way? Can you go about it in a way that is more natural and much more effective and creative? I'd love to hear some feedback from our listeners after hearing this. I'd love to hear those individual stories. That would be fun. So thanks to our guests, Patrick Ferris. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was a blast. You know, I always enjoy uh catching up with you fellas yeah if you're a listener in his territory touch base with him use patrick.farris at touchdownfunds.com right yep you got it absolutely we'll be right back with our costanza corner this is the whole truth stick with us and welcome back to the costanza corner where we like to end the show on a high note steve-o you're up you're not steve-o i could be steve-o we had a Steve-O, but I've been I've been known to be called Steve-O from time to time, just not necessarily. Where does the O come from? Uh, just generally people that are called Steve. Sometimes people Steve-o. just call Steve-O. Yeah, Stevie. It's like a, yeah, well, no, that only my grandmother can call me that, and she's she's passed, so uh, no one gets Stevie. That that no, I, I can't do Stevie. That I can't I call correct. you Stevie. No, 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 I cannot. I cannot. I don't like Steven with the N either. To be honest with you, apologize if there's any Stevens listening because I know there are a few that do it's listen to so, the show. Just so not for on me. brand for you. So it's on just brand. not for me, Steve. To get worked up about how somebody says your name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so some good news. So a, a lot of you that listen to this, uh, know us and know me. And, uh, my, my, uh, my job has evolved a lot over the last couple of years where, you know, I do the show, but I also, uh, you know, do a, a run Northern California. I have a player coach role. So there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, at some point I was thinking, you know, I probably got to bring in additional resources in Northern California to help. I brought somebody new on. It happened organically. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, when I first moved to Northern California in 2015, I think it was the end of 2015, you know, there were some established wholesalers and you get to know them. And one of those people uh, was the first trust guy. His name is Matt Wall. And 
I just started seeing him at a lot of different events. He was like an institution. He was just a really, really well-known wholesaler. And so you fast forward and we kind of reconnected um, and uh, he was looking and uh, he came aboard and we went, you know, we had to do it quickly because he was in a position where he was being recruited by a couple of other firms. But the bottom line is, uh, got to hire Matt Wall, who's gonna who's gonna help me in Northern California. I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna still be doing lots of things uh, in that territory. But uh, I don't know, man. It's great. It's a, it's it's a really exciting thing for me to be able to to bring him on board. I bet. Well, that's. I mean. It sort of speaks to your your evolving role. It, I love the perspective when people go from other shops to our shop because I feel like what we do is pretty unique. So it kind of takes a unique person or at least somebody that's open to being unique uh, to, to work, yeah. work with us on our side. So um, that's – and just another sign of growth. I mean we can both talk about how, how much this place has grown since we've been here. Me at almost six, you at a lot longer. I, it's, it's fun to be a part of something growing. That's a really interesting point there. Um, Thank you. It's 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 Matt. You always do that. You have interesting. <laughs> uh, th- that's that's your thing. Um, you know, he worked. You know, not too many firms, but with three really really prominent firms and uh, well known brand name shops. And he was just at the point of his career, and it's easy to say this, but he actually lived it because he turned down other jobs to come to us. Where he's like, listen, culture matters. What is trying to be achieved matters. How my day to day life is matters. And and you're right about it. That being, you know, those aren't big stretches. Like that's what normal people look for. <laughs> you know? I, I know, but you got to understand this. Well, you have a little bit more, pers- oh, a lot more perspective because you came from a different firm. Now you were doing international, but I only know us. Like that's the yeah. thing. And I think that we have an incredible culture. And and I think. That our management team is, you know, does a really, really great job and it's a really great place to work. That's what I think. Um, but I don't know anything else. So I could be just drinking my own Kool-Aid here. Uh, but No, but you, but you see, I mean, you, you know what the plural of anecdote is, right? What's that? Data. Yeah. You've got enough data now that enough people are around that have been at other shops that you can start you know, connecting those dots yourself because so many people say the same thing that come from other, other places. So yeah, it's, it's not like this is happening in an isolated way. Yeah, that's great. So you guys are listening to this. Uh, if you're listening to it right when it comes out, uh, October, 2022, Matt came on, uh, in September. So just super thrilled. We'll have him on here at some point soon to do something. So, uh, Sweet. really, really appreciate, uh, everyone listening and we will see you next time. See y'all. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.